2: Kevin Owens has returned for War Games. There was a little bit of doubt that he might be able to compete, but SmackDown has shown us that indeed, Kevin Owens has returned to SmackDown, and he will compete at Survivor Series. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the WrestleTalk Podcast. I'm your host, Tempest. I don't have my belt. I, it's over there. I'll grab that in a second. I was like, wait a minute. Something is wrong. Thank you, Sat. Lovely and kind. Sat E. Niyagi, my wonderful co-host. Thanks, Pete for taking a day off or something. We're here to talk about SmackDown and AEW Rampage. We're gonna start off by talking about Kevin Owens and his return. Sat, what did you think of this fine segment? In an alternative
3: universe, uh, Kevin Owens is injured and couldn't compete and Matt Cap most took his
2: spot. <laughs> Alright, enough out of you. I don't like this conversation anymore. <laughs> so, of course, get your Ultra Chats in, WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. We'll be reading out all the ones that are five US dollars and above before the end of the stream today. Let us know what you thought of Kevin Owens' return and SmackDown in general. If you have ideas about what they could do at Survivor Series, let us know. If you want to talk about June Akiyama wrestling on AEW Rampage, we'll hear all of them. Let us know. Support Uh, WrestleTalk.com slash support. I'm tired. I've got a long night ahead of me. Full gear tonight. Watch our live reactions as well. So we'll kind of cover all the bloodline stuff here in one go because it all kind of is is one recurring story throughout the show. We opened with Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, the brawling brutes. They all came out. They cut pretty much the promo you would expect them to cut. That's Sheamus and Drew McIntyre saying, oh, we we. Yeah. Sorry, I was distracted by chat. I really want to make sure that all of this is is working well. I don't have it, the best it, track it, record. I, I know, I know. Us working
3: together, it always produces interesting results. But I think you're doing a great job, man. <laughs> First of all, guys, give a round of applause to this guy. He's your jammed at champion, championship, champion, championship. And him. he's also... I'm, always, I'm just patting the belt. No, Why no, are no. you paranoid? Don't w- do that. W- it's mine. I, I don't want it. I already, I already told you I don't want it. If anything, I want your crown. I don't want your title belt. Your crown looks sexy. I want to be that B-I-T-C-H. And you're also a quiz menu champion as well. You go wear many hats and your channel director are parts for known. So you're a great guy. I'm touching your other shoulder so you don't get paranoid. Thanks, man. So you're friend. doing a great job. Appreciate but yes, it. I'm excited about war games.
2: Yes, because as I was saying, they cut this promo saying that Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, they've had a long rivalry and that rivalry has resulted in them having a mutual respect for one another and there's no one that either man would rather be in the trenches with than each other, so they're going to be competing at war games. And they start hyping up who the fifth man might be and they're interrupted by Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn comes out, he says that he guarantees a win on behalf of the bloodline. He says, I can speak for the bloodline and guarantees a win at Survivor series, like that bit very much. And this kind of builds up, he's talking about being Usy, calls himself Usy in the sky with diamonds. You mm. really like that bit. I, hear, I heard him laugh in the office while he was watching SmackDown. It was great. And they basically ended that segment by saying the fifth man will be someone that Sami Zayn will never expect. So this then leads into later in the show, the Bloodline are all backstage. Jimmy uh, Jay Uso is giving Sami Zayn a hard time for speaking on behalf of the Bloodline. And Sami Zayn is like, what's your deal, bro? All I said was that we're going to win. Are you saying that we're not going to win? And I just like this bit very much because it's not what Sami Zayn said on behalf of the bloodline. It's the fact that he would try and speak for the bloodline that gets Jey Uso really riled up. Like that very much. They They calm each other down. Sami's got a match later with Butch. It's a good segment. Jimmy Uso says they've got like bloodline stuff to take care of. That literally just meant going and asking Karrion Cross if he was the fifth guy. I think he was embarrassed. I I'll be embarrassed as well. It's like, oh,
3: yeah, we're such smart detectives. We're going to ask the one person that we know that Drew McIntyre wouldn't team up with, who Drew McIntyre allegedly hit with a car with for The Rock. Um yeah. <laughs> it just it just didn't make sense. I thought I me and you talked to later, I felt like that whole scene of the Usos confronting Karrion Cross was to put in the minds of the wrestling fans and ourselves that Karrion Cross will eventually challenge Roman Reigns for the universal undisputed universal heavyweight championship of the world. And I had an idea it might be at the Royal Rumble. Although we also spoke of a better idea, who, or mm-hmm. who potentially could be Roman Reigns' uh, opponent for the Royal Rumble. But yeah, I think it was just keep in our minds that Karen Cross is on that trajectory to challenge Roman Reigns for the title.
2: It keeps them linked, and as they haven't really done a whole lot together on screen for a little while, that came later in the show when the Usos found Karrion Cross and they were like, "Hey, bruh, you the fifth guy?" And he's like, "No, I'm like, cool, that's." The gist of it. What I would love if they went Scarlett, you the fifth
3: guy. Just, just, just. I mean, just to you know, like, not be sexist. So like you know, anyone could be the fifth person. Any,
2: anybody. Who's, mm. to, who's to say? But of course, this all builds to the main event, which was Sami Zayn versus Butch in a SmackDown World Cup match. This was a really solid match. They had a really uh, shocker. Sami Zayn and Pete Dunne had a good match together. Who could have seen that coming? But they had really good chemistry. They had some really fun high spots. Both factions were out there at ringside. Sami Zayn pushed Pete uh, Dunn. Let me just call him Pete Dunn. I don't care. Pushed him off the top rope. He fell into the barricade as they went to a commercial. Pete Dunn hit a big moonsault to the outside, wiped out the bloodline. Eventually, Pete Dunn was able to hit the the bitter end on Sami Zayn to win and advance in the tournament. And then after the match, that's when Roman Reigns' music hits, and he comes down and he's just clearing house. We said last week that the the show ending brawl was a little bit standard, just a little bit not much of anything, not nothing to write home about. This brawl was so much more fun, because Roman Reigns comes down and he hits the Superman punch on one of them. He hits the spear on the other one of them. He has a stare down with Drew McIntyre. He gets in the ring, Solo Sokoa starts hitting Drew McIntyre from behind. That gives Roman Reigns the, the opportunity to hit him with a spear. And then he comes face to face with Sheamus, and they really start building that up. That seems like a big match that could happen in the future. They go back and forth. looks like Sheamus is starting to get the better of him, and then he's able to hit a Superman punch, and he sets up the big ooh spot, and that's when Kevin Owens' music hits, and he comes down. He hits a super kick on one of the uh, brawling, or not one of the brawling brutes, one yeah, of the, the Usos. Yeah. He gets in the ring, and they start just doing the hockey fight spot, and he beats Roman Reigns down into the corner, stomps him down, and then turns around, and he's face-to-face with Sami Zayn. That is your thumbnail picture for this podcast. It's them going face-to-face, and everybody then, like, they know, everybody knows these guys have the history that they have. That gets really built up to Roman Reigns hits Kevin Owens with a Superman punch, and before he can hit a spear, Sami Zayn gets taken out of the ring, and Kevin Owens hits him with a stunner. And both of them are opposite each other as the show goes off the air. Those are your two teams for war games. Sat, what did you think of the Bloodline stuff on this show?
3: Uh, it, it was part of course uh, with Sami Zayn coming back he always ev- um, elevates each of the um, you know plot points and segments with the bloodline uh, I also feel like the segments are always great when Paul Heyman's not there to shriek <laughs> in a scene I, I love Paul Heyman but I'm kind of tired of the decibels of his voice uh, what, what I like um, in terms of the main event when you mentioned it was the fact that Jay Uso kind of inadvertently cost Sami Zayn the match because as uh, Jey was brawling outside, he kind of got chucked in by one of the members of the brawling brutes into the ring a bit. And that kind of stopped Sami from doing the Huluva kick and that kind of distraction of like Jey while you in the ring, it, it kind of um, created the opportunity for Butch, aka Pete Dunne, to hit the bit and to get the victory. So mm. that I find interesting that it wasn't any other member of the bloodline, it, of course is the one they had the most issue with, which is Jay Uso. And also, I like 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 we mentioned, you know, Karrion Cross is someone that they're trying to make is looming in the background. As much as people are trying to say there's no need for Karrion Cross, but you know, he's he's creating an opportunity to be a threat for Roman Reigns, which no one really buys at the moment because Roman Reigns is on a, another level in terms of, of his uh, run right now. But thank you, Jesus, because we've been reading the news for you know all the wrestle talk news podcasts wondering is kevin owens gonna be the fifth man is he the fifth man guess what kevin owens what's the fifth man he's the fifth man i was looking at his legs i you know how is he walking because that that give you a great indicator of how much he can do in the match because it could be the case that he's probably 50 you know okay in terms of his mobility and it might not make him do much but he's able to throw super kicks and able to do a stunner and you know he Kevin Owens is not really a fast walker in, in general, so you can't really tell if it's just a Kevin Owens' methodical walk or he's trying to you know, hide the fact that his legs is in so much pain. But get
2: ready for a senton bomb in a War Games match. That's what I'm looking forward to. You'd have to imagine that'll be the big spot of the show. Yeah, it's really exciting. It is very much so a relief because if Kevin Owens wasn't involved in this match, it would still be very good. The match would not be... Bad by any means, but I think it would lose a lot of the intrigue that people had because Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is the real character based thread that will kind of be woven through this match more so than just what happens at the finish, whether it's Sami Zayn taking the fall, Jey Uso taking the fall, and then the fallout of that. This now gives you a chance to really tell a story throughout the entire match that's deeply personal that you maybe wouldn't have had a chance to do otherwise. So it is such a relief that Kevin Owens is going to be back, be in this match. It has made me that much more excited for Survivor Series. And they didn't blow the interaction they had, Sammy and Kevin,
3: you know, face to face with each other. But you you didn't really know what's that because yes, they they fought in the in the past, but they've they've reached that point where they're more friendly than you know, throwing hockey punches. Yeah. At the, they reach that point where they're more amicable than ever before. It's not so on site. It's right not now. on site anymore, exactly. They've reached that point where they've been teammates. Yeah, Sammy once kicked him during the pandemic era for no reason and started that little <laughs> mini feud again, which was weird. But they, they, they love each other. They respect each other. They're going to play more into their relationship more than ever before because this was needed. Because Kevin Owens has been gone for, I feel like, nearly a month and they need to get kickstart this storyline into yeah they've pivoted a bit you, you know originally triple h was probably thinking about ending it quickly and getting the the tag feud started but you know Sami Zayn's gotten over, the UC charts are going over, the bloodline storyline is reaching new heights than, you know, than, than ever before. So they've now have curbed that idea of doing a tag feud. So they needed a reason to bring Kevin Owens back into the fold. If it wasn't War Games, we don't know when. So I'm mm-hmm. so happy that he's able to be slotted in without it making it too um too complicated basically down the line yeah so i'm, I'm excited about that and i'm also ex- i'm also happy that seamus and drew had a long needed conversation about hey weren't you guys feuding months ago were you not beating up brawling brutes months ago and now you're smiling and your pals and it and it broke a bit of kayfabe with you know seamus is getting married you know got married mm-hmm. and drew was his best man so they had the conversation that
2: was needed very much so and i don't want to lose track we kind of mentioned it earlier but i don't want to lose track of Even still, when it wasn't necessarily the focus of this show, they still did advance this bloodline story even just a little bit with Sami Zayn getting a little bit big for his britches when Mm -hmm. he speaks on behalf of the bloodline. Like, And I say this in my edited review, which will be going up after the podcast. It's so fun for me when you can watch these little moments and just be like, that's going to be important. Mm -hmm. They're not going to like that because they've done such a good job of telling this story. Ooh, I love that bit. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole show.
3: That's the only way the the turn would work, is that Sammy doesn't see it coming, Mm because he's so flying high. I'm the honorary, you know. He he has to get too comfortable, so when the attack happens, he doesn't see it coming. Because before, he was the outsider... You know, looking in. And he, even when Roman will speak to him, you expect Roman's going to treat him like the way he treats Jay or Jimmy. But the fact that they've welcomed him, Roman and and the rest, you know, except for Jay Uso, welcomed him into the family. He's now let his guard down. He's enjoying things. I, I can very much see Solo Sokol being like the first one to fire the shot because that's the one he's been. Jimmy to a degree, they got a handshake, but I can see that when the turn happens, that's the guy to watch out for to do the firing, you know, the first shot. It's
2: really fun to theorize uh, yeah. about.
1: and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.
0: You know it's all about your balls. Manscaped baby. You know it's time to shave your balls. Whoa! Manscaped baby. Manscaped is the name. Performance package is the game. Lawn mower 4.0 waterproof cordless steal the show. Great deal, 20% off your order from your friends. Here at WrestleTalk, we love thee. Use the code WTTB, free international shipping. We even get yourself two free gifts with the weed whacker for your nose. Cause it's not just about your balls. Manscaped baby. You know it's time to shave your balls. Treat yourself baby. That's right, you can get 20% off your order and free international shipping at manscaped.com forward slash WTTV. That's 20% off your order, free international shipping, manscaped.com forward slash WTTV.
2: Let us know what you think about the bloodline. We're going to read out some of your ultra chats right here. WrestleTalk, pardon me, your Ussie chats here on the WrestleTalk podcast. Make sure you get them in. All that are five U.S. dollars and above before the end of the show will be read out. That's WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. Just like Charles Berg saying, my first thought was El Generico was going to be the fifth man. That'd be difficult. But Kevin Owens is a great second choice. Making some barbecue ribs on my smoker currently. He's going to have a great feast tonight. Slaw, baked beans, cornbread, mac and cheese, the aforementioned ribs take care boys that sounds like a lovely feast that i wish i was a part of i'll probably have pizza tonight there's pay-per-view on what what type of pizza you gonna have i don't know i don't know
3: something with meat on it meat feast pizza yeah. are you a barbecue based kind of person no you're not
2: no have you tried it i have and how'd you feel i don't really like barbecue sauce in general it's just like i don't like sweet things and barbecue sauce if it's not sweet i might be able to be down with it but depends on the sauce I'm the opposite, but I respect that we have a difference of opinion. So, yeah. yeah. Isn't that... That was a great handshake, too. Yeah. Real real good feel. Kevin says, so happy to see KO back. This match is looking really good. It has everything to be a match of the year contender. SmackDown was fine. Good in-ring action. But it feels like Triple H has had his first misstep with Gunter. Uh, why the hell would he be scared of Strowman? I don't know. Eat big. That's it. You can try... You can say, like, oh, he's not being scared. He's just being smart. And not doing that but, stop reading my vibe stop reading my vibe now
3: what I, was, what I was about to say is at the end of the day you have to remember Gunther's a heel braun's a babyface. never forget that Babyface, strong heel cowardly it's just him being methodical i i do he doesn't want to give it's not an intercontinental title match he doesn't have
2: to hurt him braun has to come to him think of it that way mm-hmm. yeah keep in mind that if he beats Walter for the championship, not. I will have a much different tune. But we'll get to that. We'll get to this. We bit will. In, we'll get to this bit in the review. And one more quick one. Noah Fortner says, Have either of you played Pokemon Scarlet or Violet yet? And if you have or are going to, what starter are you picking? John Quaxley. That's my boy, my cute little duck. He's a handsome little duck, and I, I love I, him much. I, I haven't played
3: Pokemon. I don't have access to to play such games. But Tempest over here, avid player.
2: Avid player. Yes, sir. So, we're going to get back into the rest of the SmackDown review, but make sure you send in your Ultra Chats, Usi Chats, I think it's going to be hard to remember, to WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. Thank you very much. To all those who have already so after that opening segment we had our first actual match of the show that being mustafa ali versus ricochet and you rightly pointed out that they didn't mention the whole retribution thing and i'm not upset about it before this match before this, you don't need to mention the thing that everyone wants to forget. No, but it's like okay, I guess okay. Well, we're gonna
3: assume off camera Ali apologized to Ricochet for turning on him and you know being the leader of of you know Retribution. Let's yeah. pretend that's what happened. Cool. Yeah.
2: Right, cool. Yeah. We're All in right. we're in agreement. Yes. It, it happened off screen. We yes. never need to acknowledge it again. Never. This match was really fun. Beforehand, they showed a video of backstage before the match with Mustafa Ali being tended to by the trainer. He's got his ribs taped up after facing Bobby Lashley on Raw. And this had Ricochet come in and say, dude, you don't need to do this, whatever. And Mustafa Ali wasn't having it. He's like, nah, bro, I'll see you in the ring. And so this leads into this match. And I I want to make a point here because I really enjoyed the selling in this match. There was plenty of it, first and foremost. Every big move saw Mustafa Ali holding his ribs. He did a backstabber off the top rope, and, he, and he was, like, holding his ribs the whole time. Ricochet caught him on a dive, roll, did the roll-through power-up spot, and then hit a Michinoku driver on the floor. That killed his ribs. He only, Mustafa Ali only really had one big hope spot, and that's when Ricochet missed a Phoenix splash, and he locked in the uh, locked in the Koji Clutch. Didn't get the win, but eventually Ricochet fought to his feet and hit a shooting star press on a standing Mustafa Ali. That's a very cool finish. I think they did that on like made event or 205 Live or something a couple years back. Really good stuff, really enjoyed this match. And to me, the selling was almost the most important, well, it was definitely the most important part of the story of the match, but it really does show how far people have come who are running WWE and what they allow their competitors to do. Mm-hmm. Because my biggest example, that I'll pull up in a second, is of matches where someone has done an injury angle going into it, but they're not allowed to sell in the match because that's not what the people have paid to see, (laughs) quote-unquote. Who said that? Take take this ride with me. Okay. Because, like... The one that comes to my mind, and they would do this. It's the same sort of thing. It's like people pay to see the entrances. Mm. And so, like, they, there were times where people wouldn't react accordingly to the storylines just because they needed to see the entrance and do all that sort of thing. The match where Ryback beat, uh, uh, almost called him Ray Phoenix. That would have been awkward. Uh, Kalisto for the U.S. title. Right. Or at the very least, I think Kalisto may have won that match. Either way, doesn't matter. U.S. title match between those two. It was after WrestleMania 32 on a pay-per-view. Kalisto had, like, a really bad either back injury or rib injury or something like that. And they built that match up with that in mind, and then they go into the match, and he's, like, flipping around, doing all the regular stuff, and then close to the finish, he does one thing, and it aggravates it, and then you play it in. And it doesn't make as much sense, because it's not... They didn't want him to not be able to do the flippy match that people had paid to see. It's just more of an, an example of, like wwe being a lot more formulaic before the regime change mm. and if there is something like an injury angle that storyline not being able to take place in the ring because it doesn't fit with that formula and it's nice to see that sort of thing changing whereas you can just have mustafa Ali go out there and do a really good match selling his ribs the whole time and have that be the story it makes the storytelling so much easier
3: uh, I, I agree with you. I didn't know that that was a thing. It sounds like a, one of those wacky vintages. But yeah, what what I enjoyed about the match it was like both guys were allowed to do their their big moves because if it was under the Vince regime, it would have been you know been halted to them and it would have been a half baked in the match. Uh, like you said, Mustafa Ali being injured played into the fact of him losing. It, it for me kind of sucks that Mustafa Ali seemed like he was in the midst of a renewed push. You know they've jazzed up his music, added much more you know more orchestral feel to his music. He's now in shorts. He's now you know braided his hair. Imagine through all that effort tempest of wearing a new mask new everything but you're still getting pushed the same which is your like cinderella story you're close but not quite there but it also makes sense that um ricochet won it is his brand his show overall i would have liked to see ali and, and braun, <laughs> braun strowman uh-huh. you know after tweeting back and forth go out in the ring over later on uh you know ricochet makes a, a, a note of it but uh, I hope both guys get another time on a pay-per-view to steal the show again, or even be a tag team, even though that seems like a lazy booking. You flip, you flip, you both be a tag team. Mm -hmm. But both guys, they both need a push to the next level. And unfortunately, it wasn't Ali's time. And Ricochet is going to get fed to uh, (laughs) Ron Strowman. yeah?
2: Yeah, I would really like to see Mustafa Ali kind of break through in the near future. I've been saying that for far too long. But I do agree. It did kind of feel like we might be getting a little bit more out of Mustafa Ali, and maybe we still are. But it's kind of in a wait and see type thing. I do agree, though. I really want to see them to have like a fifteen-minute pay-per-view match where they can just absolutely tear the house down
3: the, the one thing i'm worried about this is because Mustafa Ali's face turn hasn't completely won people over right if, if that makes sense because he was sitting at home for months on and not doing much then it brought him back as a cold baby face because it, it, it was like the last time they saw him he was a heel whining you know on a microphone saying he's not getting an opportunity you see he was threatening people mm. and he come back oh no he's a baby face now it's like they haven't given people enough reason to cheer for him he's just like well he's He's a babyface. He's an underdog. Remember that. But you asked to remember this guy was the leader of, you know, retribution. You don't want me to remember that. But they haven't given us enough reasons. Yeah, he's got cool shorts and his braid. You know, he looks great. New music. But they haven't given us enough
2: reasons to cheer for him. And the fans remember that he, he loses a lot. Eventually, they're going to give up on him. They need to do something quick. I hope so. I hope they do. We then had the backstage segment with the bloodline we talked about earlier, and then we had the New Day being interviewed, and they said that they're disappointed to have lost their record. I know you're disappointed. And they're interrupted by Imperium, who say that the New Day are what's wrong with wrestling, and the New Day mocked them, and Kofi says that Walter looks like Lurch from the Addams Family. Got him. And yeah, they set up a six-man tag for later with a mystery partner for the New Day. It's fine. Solid stuff, I guess. Uh, Madcap Moss is getting ready for his match with Karrion Cross. And uh, Emma gives him a pep talk. So there's your follow-up to last week's bit. Um, there was no shots. He being like, oh my god, are you crashing on him but to to drag this down? This was a lot more natural. It was just like, you know, a couple of humans talking, even though it was still slightly scripted, you know, but I at least like the idea of a logical approach to pro wrestling. Where Emma comes in and tells Madcap Moss, "Hey man, you're you're faster than Carrying Cross. You're more athletic than Carrying Cross. You got to use that speed and agility mm. if you're gonna win this match." And that plays into the match a little bit because that then immediately leads into the match where you can see the Madcap Moss is like really running the ropes hard. He's going back and forth before hitting a shoulder block. He's doing a dive to the outside. That sort of stuff. It's solid stuff. But ultimately, it was a fairly short match, and Carrying Cross wins with the cross jacket. It's something to just keep this going another week. I don't know that it's gonna build to anything, but Emma came out after the match and like comforted, comforted Moss. So like, maybe they'll do a mixed tag, but we haven't seen Scarlet really wrestle, so I don't, I don't know. I was gonna actually—that's what I wrote
3: down on my uh, on my notes. I, I feel like it's building this mini feud that Karen Cross is on. Some people can see as a step below. Even I feel like it's a good thing for Madcap Moss to do. Even though Madcap Moss, since he's broke away from Baron Corbin, he hasn't really they've they've given him push. He's somewhat a little bit over with the casual audience. He, you know, they they know. Yes, it's news to me. He, he gets he gets somewhere. He doesn't get dead. He doesn't get no reaction. He gets something. He goes, mm-hmm. That's what he gets. He needs better wrestling attire. I think that's what it is. He just yeah. his current presentation, especially the name. There's nothing madcap madcap about him. He, at the moment, he's as bland as his trunks. He needs he needs. To, if you talk about a person needs a change in presentation, it's Madcap Moss. His girlfriend's there, cool. Put them together. I mean, we know in real life they're a couple. Sure, you don't want to shy away from it. True. Um... Make him much more interesting. Give him much more interesting gear, because at the moment he looks like a great wrestler, which doesn't help. When you say I can create a better wrestler than the, this wrestler in real life, uh, it might turn into a mixed tag match. Um, I don't want, I don't, I don't want Emma to lose. Or she really lost in her debut match. I don't want her to continue losing, even though it, this will be Scarlett's first match. And then you can always say Scarlett's the weak link in the group. But I know in Triple H, he, he wants to keep pushing Karrion Cross. So this is interesting. I'm hoping at least a mixed tag match because I feel like that's the next logical step if this is a mini feud.
2: Next up, we had Bray Wyatt coming out for what I thought was maybe the most interesting segment he's been part of yet. He comes out and he cuts kind of the same start to a promo that he's been doing where my name is Bray Wyatt. I grew up being taught that being feared is the only way to get people to respect you and and that sort of thing. All very much in line with what he's been saying. But he invites L.A. Knight out because he said that last week was a moment of weakness when he headbutted uh, L.A. Knight in their backstage bit. And he wants to apologize to him. Now, L.A. Knight comes out. He says that Bray doesn't understand him. The peop- No one's ever understood him. Gets in the ring. And he says, I accept your apology. And Bray Wyatt's sticking out his hand the whole time. L.A. Knight says, I accept your apology. And then slaps him. And immediately, like, turns around, gets out of the ring. Says, all right. Now we're even, and I accept your apology. And Bray Wyatt, like, takes a moment, really composes himself, says, all right, we're even. And I, like, give him the handshake again, and he says, your next decision is going to be, like, the most important of your career, of your life, or something like that. And L.A. Knight thinks about it, and he slaps Bray Wyatt again, hops down, and said, that's a two-for-one special. (laughs) And he leaves. And as he's leaving, you see the screen behind him flicker just a little bit like the Bray Wyatt flicker. It flickers behind him and Bray Wyatt starts just getting a look in his eyes like a real demented, like thousand yard stare. Like there's nothing behind this eye. Just awesome. An awesome segment this was. And this I'll lead into it now because it wasn't that far you know, down the line on this show. They go backstage to Mackenzie Mitchell running up to L.A. Knight as he's leaving the building. She asks L.A. Knight, are are you leaving because you're scared of Bray Wyatt? And he says, no, I'm leaving because I'm done work. That's what you do when you're done work. And as he's saying this, he, like, opens the door of the building to leave. And you can see the Bray Wyatt mask that he returned with just in the darkness there. And you hear all the people go, oh. And the mask kind of disappears into the darkness. And then he leaves. I thought this was my favorite use of Bray Wyatt yet because to me, I've been really into his character and what this is going to be, this internal struggle that Bray Wyatt has had is far more interesting to me to see how that character and that internal development and dilemma he has, how that plays off of other people and how other people influence this journey that he's on. And we haven't really gotten a chance to see that other than him just tearing into a backstage stagehand. And then last week with L.A. Knight. So this was a real development in all this. And I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I don't really care for a Bray Wyatt L.A. Knight feud at the time. Like, OK, that's a fine thing for them to do. This has me very interested. Uh, so
3: I wrote down Bray with his 12 Steps promo. What? What? like hit the nail in the head for me in terms of his character, it reminds me of a born again, Christian or an addict. Because that's what they tend to do. They'll be like, hi, you know, I'll be like, hi, my name is si, I'm an addict. And you start going over your past transgression because you've now become sober and then you have to live with the stuff that you did in the past, the destruction that you caused when you, you know, when you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or, you know, whatever. That's what I feel like is, is the Bray White character at the moment. This guy at the moment, he's now presenting himself as a man who used to be a cult leader. A, a a demented children's presenter, a psycho, wacky clown. So he's got all these dark past, you know, behavior that he has to atone for. He now wants to be a better person, but he's in a situation. It's almost like an alcoholic going to a bar. There's all this alcoholic drink. I don't have an orange juice, but there's always temptation. And LA Knight is representing uh, a, a temptation to go back to his old self because he he... Genuinely wants to be a better person, but he can't help himself. He's gonna make mistakes. That's what addicts do in the beginning. You you make mistakes before you you, you find yourself, and then you go on to you know to do better. Sometimes you may backslide. So that's that's the internal struggle we have seeing with, with Bray Wyatt with LA Knight. What I like is it, it wasn't that he was straight away scared. Oh my gosh, spooky stuff. He's like this jock in a slash film. He's a dick. He's a joke. He's the one who gets killed first. Yes. Especially that whole Mackenzie situation. You're going to leave and you see, and then it's like watching the horror film, don't go through that door. The killer's at the door. He's like, what? I I, I can go home if I want to. I'm not scared. And then, you know, cut to the next scene. He has got chairs, debris, the, the whole the whole, the kitchen sink on him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been taken out. I like the feud because... Um, LA Knight is he's not of the spooky world. He it doesn't phase him. He doesn't understand it, so he's taking it lightly. Who knows that now that this happened to him, he may take it more seriously. Who knows? But I am like you. I can't wait to see the story unfold.
2: I'm really excited to see what happens next. And I can't I can't say that about all the Bray Wyatt promos we've gotten. This was very good stuff. We then got the Usos and Karrion Cross backstage that we talked about earlier. And then we had Shayna Baszler taking on Shotzi. Now. This, to me, was the low point of SmackDown. And I'm of a few minds here. This match was mostly Shotzi being distracted by Ronda Rousey and being beaten down by Shayna Baszler. And then Raquel Rodriguez came down, kind of even the odds, but her coming down distracted Shayna enough for Shotzi to roll her up and pin her. I got some thoughts, because on one hand... I do think you need to give Shotzi some some wins if she is going to be even, even a morsel of a threat against Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. Now, I understand that I don't think anybody in the world thinks that Shotzi is going to beat Ronda Rousey at Survivor Series. Unfortunately not. But you got to play it up at least that, like, you know, you got to make your challenger look strong. I get that. I do not think that... Shotzi should be beating Shayna Baszler under any circumstances. And I don't know that this is the direction, but I'm still operating under the belief that like Shayna could be a potential Royal Rumble winner and do Shayna and Ronda at WrestleMania. That to me, at least of the current SmackDown roster, like that makes the most sense. Yeah. I would not be having her just get beat with a lame roll up. There are so many geeks on the SmackDown women's roster that she could be beating in matches like this. Shotzi could have gone out there and beaten Zaya Lee. Lee. She could have been beating Lacey, Lacey Evans. Evans. <laughs> so many people that she could beat in this scenario yeah. without damaging Shayna Baszler. Uh, so this is something that you've mentioned. How they did the
3: legwork and rebuilt Shotzi. Shotzi beating Shayna wouldn't be as bad right. as it is exactly. right now. Uh, and also, why didn't it help the situation for me? Because I still feel like Raquel should have won. So when Raquel came out, I'm mm-hmm. like, there should have be been There's the right your challenger. Number. Yes. Yeah. The, the fact that she came out and both women reacted, I'm like, then she should have won. If she can elicit that sort of reaction out of Shane and Ronda that should have been a number one contender. And you've got Shotzi being the underdog. But like you said, they booked themselves into, that was like the first um, booking four par in in that episode of SmackDown because mm-hmm. everything was going well and it, it doesn't make sense. And also how quickly they've done it. If they have done a tag team match where it's Raquel and Shotzi versus Shayna and Ronda, I wouldn't mind it so much It's a tag team match, you know, same kind of finish, but one-on-one, Shayna is a seasoned veteran for her to get done with a roll-up. Roll it doesn't make sense. I'll, I'm with you on that. They should have done more uh, work in terms of rehabbing Shotzi than they have. And then this is one of those matches. It's kind of like when they announced Jinder and brought Lesnar for Survivor Series. You're kind of like, who are you kidding? You know who's going to win. It's like, why are we pretending? Mm-hmm. It, 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 so basically, they can make an audible. Shotsy can get injured and Raquel steps in last minute if they want to.
2: Yeah, like this is kind of separate from that conversation because I totally agree with everything that you said. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I don't understand this partnership between Shotzi and Raquel either, because I thought that they were kind of like having each other's back for a little bit because Shotzi seemed for some reason had beef with damage control, Mm. and that was like kind of the connective thread after Aaliyah got hurt and Raquel and Shotzi were kind of aligned in this enemy of my enemy type thing, Yeah, Yeah, this uneasy alliance, but no, she's just like... She's just hanging out in the babyface locker room now, and is one with the babyfaces, and Raquel has her back. And I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's like it the heel situation. Like
3: yeah. You, you, basically, we just told she's a babyface now, and she has a tank. Uh, good night. They should have done the work mm. where she apologized for her past behavior because she was a heel not that long ago. She was against Raquel not not, not that long ago, or because she watched her back one time. It, that shouldn't be enough. It, it should have more legwork should be done, and you can even tell like. Shotzi gets somewhat of a reaction with the tank, but none of the babyface, in my opinion, are truly over at the moment. It's just we've been told that this is you should cheer. Because if, if, if I know for a fact, I don't know where Survivor Series is set. Shane is probably gonna get the most, you know, reaction in that match. Because mm. Shotzi,
2: to people, they don't really know her. It's really interesting too, because you look on this very show and the organic babyface building of the brawling brutes has been so good. It's been the total opposite of this because they didn't come out and just be babyfaces one day. No. They got organically turned into baby faces just because they were a bunch of badasses that fought people. Yeah. It can't... Like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, it can be done. You guys do know what you're doing in that regard, but it doesn't feel like the effort is being put in to do that with people like a, a Shotsi or a Mustafa Ali, and that's just kind of disappointing.
3: That's the issue with with SmackDown and Raw at the moment. I feel like they tell us, well, this is who you need to cheer. This wrestlers debut. This person's come back. Is like, where's the legwork? Where's like the promo packages? Where's the, the backstage story? Where's the inner monologue? Because we still don't really know Shotsy except that she's a chatty patty and she likes getting to other people's romantic businesses.
2: <laughs> has green hair, has tank. Full stop. Yes, so... We then had the L.A. Knight leaving the building just after that, which we spoke about. And then we had Imperium coming out for their match with the New Day and mystery partner, Braun Strowman. Who else else would it have been, though? I don't
3: know. Listen. I don't know. You know why. You know. Okay. Okay. Tempest, you've been doing this for a while. You know why they did this. They wanted us. I you know? know why they did it. They're telegraphing that Braun Strowman is going to win this match, no, and win did. this tournament. Not only did they telegraph it, that Michael Corset, I'm not. I'm trying to be biased, but I want to see Braun Strowman versus Gunther. It's like, okay, Michael Cole, we get it. We know which match you want. It'd be great if Vince Russo was in charge. He so could swerve, bro. Kidding, don't, don't put that guy in charge. Yeah. So what what I what they, they did what they needed to do. It was checkpoint. Yeah. Number one, New Day are uh, back, you know, on a row. They won a match. I was a bit worried they were gonna lose this one, but you know, New Day won. New day got the pin. It wasn't Braun getting the pin on one of the members of, of Imperium to telegraphist uh title match. And yes, some people didn't like it that Gunter ran away, but being a smart heel means you don't fight. It's a, it's a flimsy tag team match. He's an intercontinental champion. He has to face whoever wins in the tournament. If I was Gunter, I'll get minimum amount of risk in the ring. Uh, Braun is not on his level in his mind, so he doesn't have to fight him if he doesn't want to. And a lot of people, like yourself, have being worried. If Vince was in charge, hundred ten percent, I with you would be crying. I'd be holding your shoulder, like, oh man, this is a, this is a, this is this is a burial. This is, this is the this is this is over. But no, Triple H likes Gunter. Gunter is one of his pet projects. He had him be champion for a long for a long time. Braun Strowman. It was more of a Vince guy, but at the same time, you need more big guys on a roster. So Vince uh, Triple H seeing the value in him. I think that Braun has been built up, just like when Rusev was built up, just to be fed to John Cena. I feel like Braun has been built up, renewed credibility because he's been gone for a while. It was a case of like, hey, he's back. He's now babyface. But they knew to build him, he beat Omos. You know, he's been in a tag team match. He wins the tournament. you got a credible threat because it can't be like the Roman situation. Like, oh, Roman's going to win. You can't have... Gun, Gunter's going to win. Mm-hmm. You have to have that shred of doubt. That's what makes wrestling great. That suspending your disbelief. That like he could lose. You want that. Or oh, it's boring. You can't go... If Ricochet won... Ha <laughs> ha before. Braun winning. You're, you're crapping your pants. I'm crapping my pants too. But I don't think Braun's going to win. Braun might win by disqualification. They might drag it out to the Rumble. <laughs> oh God. You didn't realize that, right? They might drag it out. Braun yeah. wins by disqualification. And then Rumble... Goes to power bombs him and
2: wins. Could well, could well be. this This match was fine. There wasn't a whole lot to it. It was more the New Day facing the Imperium tag team of Giovanni Vinci and uh, Ludwig Kaiser, and it was just Braun Strowman hit a spinebuster on Walter, and otherwise they were more or less kept apart. There was some chops and that sort of thing, but not as much. I just don't like Braun Strowman very much. It's just me. Also, Michael Cole is still calling the daybreak the the midnight hour. so One day you have to see him and tell him. So they've either changed the name of the move or he sucks. Who's to say? He's never gotten the name of a move wrong before. I don't know. I don't know. And then after the match, Kayla's backstage with uh, Braun Strowman right afterwards. And uh, he coughs right into the mic, which is kind of funny. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse like, me. <laughs> excuse me. I
3: was like, "Is he vaccinated?" He seems like the type that's. Oh God. Like, he seems like the guy who's got political beliefs that doesn't like to vaccinate. So it was like, "Excuse yeah, me." <laughs>
2: God damn it. The views of Sad Yangi do not reflect those of Russell Talk and its fans and its and its corporate shareholders. Uh, Oh, Jesus Christ. But Ricochet comes up and says that he's looking too far into the future because he's looking at Walter. And he says that uh, he's going to do some flippy flips and beat him because Braun Strowman is an idiot. He doesn't like flipping wrestlers. Stupid. And that brings us to our main event segment, which we've already talked about. And that was SmackDown. I thought this was a very solid show with the exception of like little bits here in the middle. I don't think that Shotzi match was very good. But otherwise... The wrestling on this show was good. I think most of the winners made sense. I think that the Bloodline stuff and the return of Kevin Owens was great. And I thought the Bray Wyatt stuff was great. I give this like a very strong four out of five show. Oh, I, I give
3: it three and a half out of five. I mean, there's more that could be improved on. But yeah, it's been a last week's show. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I, I certainly thought so. It was really solid to me. I really enjoyed this episode of SmackDown. But let's get over to AEW Rampage. Because... Holy heck, do I have some things to say about that main event? This show opened with uh, Lance Archer and Ricky Starks beating the piss out of each other in the back. This built off of the promo that Ricky Starks cut on Dynamite, where he said that he was going to grab Lance Archer by his braids and dog walk him around the arena, and that didn't happen. Lance Storm kind of beat Ricky Starks up for most of their backstage brawl, but this led into their match. They fought from the backstage area into the ring. They had a bit of a back and forth, and then eventually... Ricky Starks was able to hit like a spear with a pin. And get the win over Lance Archer. I think everybody kind of expected Ricky Starks to win this one. I think a lot of people, including myself, expect Ricky Starks to go all the way in this tournament and hopefully win. There's some good stuff in here. Like Ricky Starks got choke slammed on the apron. Sometimes that bump can look a little bit limp, but this one looked really, really good. Yeah. So a solid open to AEW Rampage. Ricky Starks wins. And then afterwards, Brian Cage comes out and distracts him. And Lance Archer choke slams Ricky Starks. On the steps, turned sideways. That looked like it sucked. But this was a fine opening, I thought.
3: Uh, The beginning of the match reminded me of an old-school WCW hardcore match because there was a time in in 2000s WCW where they used to start in the backstage before they went to the ring. So that's what it reminded me of. Even down to Ricky Starks wearing a jersey, reminded me a bit of Norman Smiley. A new
2: Jersey Devil's jersey.
3: Yeah. Uh, The the match set out where it needed to do. Uh, Ricky Starks wins. Unfortunately, Lance Archer has become one of those guys where... If you put in a big match scenario, you don't expect him to win, which kind of telegraph who wins in the end, which kind of sucks. Because as a monster, he should be, you know, one of the biggest and baddest. And at the moment, you got Luchasaurus or Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage. Brian yeah, Cage at the moment as well. And W. Morris, who's even bigger than him, you know, they, they are seen as the monster, and he's seen as the guy that never can get the job done. And unfortunately, in this situation, it was proven right again.
2: Yeah. Is what it is. I think it just kind of comes down to like AEW's roster being so stacked and there not being enough room for everybody. Yeah. Like people like that just kind of get lost. Also, it's also,
3: it also, there was a Grizzly Smith uh, mention in
2: that match. Yuck. Yeah, gross. <laughs> don't talk about him. He's, he's yeah, yeah, JR. Don't talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> we then had a backstage interview with Tony Schiavone talking to Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, and it was pretty much the same one that we got when this match was announced where Chris Jericho just said, Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli are going to fight each other at some point, and then one of us is going to walk out as the Ring of Honor World Champion, him and Sammy, and it's going to be me. And he walks off, and rather than just making a face, Sammy's like, we'll see about that. And Jericho didn't really have a response to that on commentary afterwards, but that is whatever level of intrigue there is in this four-way for the ROH World title, that's kind of what that... Then You know what they're going to do. Like, Sammy Guevara is going to be told to lie down. He'll lie down and kick out or, like, roll up Jericho or yeah. something like that. Mm. They'll do some variation of that spot, I'd have to imagine. It'll be a good match. It doesn't really matter that much. We then had Hook taking on Lee Moriarty. This, I thought, was a very fun match. Lee Moriarty is kind of a cut above a lot of the talent that uh, that Hook has wrestled as of late. Maybe, like, at least in presentation, Because he's at least someone who is looked at as, like, an up-and-coming star. Yeah. Whereas someone like an Ari Daivari, who is, like, a veteran of the business, a very good performer, he's a comedy geek, yeah. you know? Yeah. It makes a lot more sense that Hook should be able to beat Ari Daivari and not have it be, like, an upset or anything like that. This, however, was probably the most that i've seen hook sell in a match but oh, like, my notes as well they went back and forth in this match they did lots of suplexes and lee moriarty did a lot more of his like technical grappling really good stuff stokely hathaway got involved at a couple of points Would like sweep hook's leg and lee would take advantage of that boot him in the face all that very good stuff eventually hook locks in the red rum and gets the submission win lee moriarty passes out this i thought was very fun. I wrote down, is Hook's best match to date? Because re- for me, is
3: like, you got to see him uh, tested as a wrestler. Because uh, up until that, up, up until this point yeah it felt like Hook's match had become formulaic. You know how it's going to go down. Some guys going to try to attack him. I no sell it. Then choke the person out and the match over. He was able to go back and forth, able to hold his own with a caliber athlete like Lee Moriarty. And then the, f- the fact that the match was so good, I can't wait to see them wrestle again down the line. Hook has continued to impress. He should be much higher on the roster than he is right now he's just exclusively seen on, on on rampage like if you want to see hook wrestle go on rampage this guy should be mixing it for the tnt title or something they should do more with him heck even put him in rh when the the tv deal has been announced or the streaming deal has been announced they should be doing more of hook and lee moriarty since he turned heel. you know he's being shown more on television sharing more of his uh personality he's another guy they should do more with but for hook uh great job in
2: the ring yeah i thought so as well uh, we had a brief recap of the Roosh Bandido stuff from last week. And then we had backstage Ten and John Silver with Roosh and Jose the assistant because this is the program that just will never end. Ugh, that's
3: that's been snake bitten of all I've oh, all the yeah. storylines. If you think about it, how long can we keep 10 in the dark order? Because you can tell they're telegraphing that they're gonna they're trying to remove the mask. It's like like, fate does not want this guy to lose his mask. <laughs> Each time it's proposed that his mask's on the line or he's in the match. He's in the match against Roosh. Forget, scrap it. It's not a or four-way you get your wish come true match or whatever. They... Destiny, life, kismet, you name it. They do not want Preston to lose that mask. I don't know if he's the most ugliest person in the world or it's whatever. Not. He's but a good looking man. And I've seen, I've seen the Call Your Own yeah. Show. And I was just kidding. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fate does not want this man to lose his mask. And then we saw the hint that he's getting frustrated because mm-hmm. he said to, John, to uh, Johnny Silver, uh, John Silver,
2: you do not speak for me. That sort of thing. And he walked he up. He was like, what do you mean we? When John Silver suggested the two of them fight uh, Jose and Roosh. That has just turned into Silver versus Rouge for next week on that, which should be a very fun match. Looking forward to that. But I, you are starting to see the disintegration of the Dark Order, <sighs> remaining members anyway. Uh, it's time
3: because <laughs> it, it, they've been in limbo for, for too long. Yeah. You know, As, as much as we, the elite Departed, uh, Brody Lee, we, we loved everything they did with the original incarnation of the Dark Order. They, it's a group that's going nowhere. They, they refuse to point a new leader, which is understandable because people would have blowback against. It's a group that people should go their separate ways and flourish. Uh, Jose the Assistant got like a, a promotion. He's now become like the, the voice of of you know Lost in Goblin Nublis. That that's that's good for him. Good for him. He's yeah, you know, because before he wasn't they were trying to find a lot of people, you know, is it Chavo? Is it gonna be Vicky or is it maybe Ric Flair? But I eventually realized, you know what? Jose, you, you can talk fine English. <laughs> you 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 talk for the group now.
2: Yeah. Uh, so next up we had Athena taking on Madison Rain. Ooh. This was a short match as is usually the case with the women's match on Rampage. And it's really weird because, like, I don't watch... I don't get an opportunity to watch Dark and Elevation super often, but they just show the little recap video package of Athena and what she's been doing for, like, the last two months, which has just been slowly turning heel. And then she comes out here... Smug. and, And she's a heel now. And I get that no i don't get it like if if you're gonna have this one of your you would think featured stars of the aew women's division have a big character shift you would think that should play out on tv in front of people because for god's sake it's not like you can't fit in time you know for for another women's segment considering what we get a lot of the time like tempest don't fall into that trap i once got into disagreement on twitter
3: someone told me, if you really care about, you know, see more black wrestlers or even women, go watch the shows on YouTube. And I'm like, I don't have time as I used to. I'm a 30-year-old man. i got family and stuff like that. It'd be great to see more of those people on TV. They to tell you, you should look for it. But I'm with you on that, because the last time you probably saw Athena, she was feeding with Jade. She was a baby face and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden she's coming out. She's got like a, a look on her face. And if you're not following up. If you don't have Twitter or
2: YouTube account, you don't know what's going on. You'd be like, what's Athena looking so sour?" That that to me is the key here because, yeah, I I agree to some extent that if you want to, if like you have the option of watching the performers that you want to watch, mm. you can go and watch the YouTube show or watch whatever to see the stars that you want to see shine. That does not mean. That their character arc should be taking place on a show that is seen by less people. That to me, I think is the key. Because if it know. was just if she was just doing matches and kind of tidying herself over until she can be slotted back in mm. and have her storylines then play out and be a focus, that's one thing. But it's the fact that this storyline has just conti- uh, It's entirely happened. Hit the mic. Entirely happened on the on the YouTube show, which I think is a bit of a disappointment because. Like, other than the Jody threat match that apparently got blown out of pro- proportion or something because Athena was wrestling rough, this is apparently her new character direction, that she's rough and tough and aggressive, and we saw that in this match because she really took it to uh, Madison Rain. Madison Rain was doing a, like, inset promo, but it went too long, and Athena jumped her before the promo was over, and they had wow. to they had to cut off the end of her promo because the bell had rung. So that's... Why you don't do this show live. (laughs) (laughs) But production snafu aside, this match went like less than three minutes. It was quick. Athena won. And afterwards, she decked Aubrey Edwards. That was the (gasps) best thing. That was like the biggest reaction anything got on this entire show.
3: You know what? This is what I love about it. Because Athena came out. People were like, yeah. Athena had a match. Yeah. Athena got too rough after the match yeah Athena decks Aubrey <gasps> you can't do that exactly that that was great because it's kind of like the holy grail thing it's like you don't touch Aubrey or yeah. referee, referee, all the other male referees are annoying you don't touch Aubrey Aubrey's like the star referee you know and also she's a female no man can deck her but now i a woman can punch her pop Right in the kisser, power right in the kisser. And instead of letting it play out, because all of a sudden people are taking notice, you know, everyone coming back from the bathroom break, like, well, what happened? What did I miss? And, and the fiend is in there being aggressive. And what does uh, the AEW booker do? He crammed too many things in because we can't enjoy it for too long because Mercedes is back. Mercedes Martinez is back. I'm happy to see Mercedes Martinez back. I'm happy too. But when you talked, I said that Mercedes coming back is a moment in itself. But you can't, it's kind of like when Eddie turned on Rey Mysterio when he did the Brain Buster. You can't go, oh, uh, here's a returning Batista, all right, from injury, whatever. It's like, let us soak in the moment. Let her be a heel. Let her get up. Let her get that reaction. Like, she's finally getting a reaction because what happened was as a babyface, she kind of died out in her field against Jay Cargill. You're not establishing as a heel. Let her have that moment. But it, it, Tony couldn't help you but put in, hey, let's slide in Mercedes. She's now better now. Final battle, RH is happening soon. Let's establish. Athena as a potential challenger for the title. I know he's trying to do that, but I feel like he could have done that in Dynamite once we had the whole
2: Athena promo. I don't don't disagree. If they were looking to bring Mercedes in and then shoot this match to take place at full gear or on the buy-in or something like Mm. that, I could see that being... I keep calling it the buy-in, zero hour, whatever, you know what I mean. That would be one thing where it's like, we don't have another show between now and then. I do think they could have let this breathe a little bit. I'm Mm. not so torn up about it that doesn't kill my enjoyment of it that much, but yeah, I would have liked her to be able to just soak in that heel energy a okay, little bit. Okay, well, What my thing was, it wasn't that long. It felt like yeah. it was like
3: punch happened, then she's stretching that Madison rain, and then boom, here comes it Like, I couldn't even process what I just seen. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't even, you know, when you can't even process, you're like numb with emotion. You're like, I don't know how to feel. Okay, Mercedes coming now and now are we gonna forget because now they come and do a video package of replaying the punch again because now Mercedes here that that's what the video package should focus on, if that makes sense. Yeah. It should have been like that should be the moment, that should be the talking point. And I was like, She did that. But also Mercedes came out and then they looked at each other, it's kinda awkward, and she left the ring.
2: But she did punch Aubrey in the face. She sure did. She sure did. The next segment was Renee Paquette backstage with the best friends in Orange Cassidy. And the factory and the best friends challenged them to a five-on-five tag match on the buy-in. Whatever. And the factory's like, uh, idiot. There's only three of you. And then Trent's like, nah, Rocky's here too. And Rocky, like, pops out of nowhere. Like, he was behind (laughs) Trent the whole time. Yeah. Just, like, pops into frame. And Nick Camarado's just like, where did he come from? It's funny. Really, I really like that moment. And uh, there's like, but there's still only five of you. And they're like, yeah, well, watch, watch this. And Chucky hands a VHS tape to Renee, and she's like, what do you want me to do with this? She it that looked like the biggest shoot moment in AEW history, where she was like, uh, what w- what next? What am I supposed to do? And I thought I trans- it was really funny. And like, trans- I, I sent you the email. Yeah, we we emailed it to the <laughs> producer. It's fine. They played a. Super spooky video of their mystery partner that is very obviously not Danhausen, and uh, yeah, segment ended and QT Marshall was like, "That's obviously Danhausen." So I, I imagine if it's not though, that'll be a fun ten-person tag on the on the pre-show. It's fine. I thought we were going to get Dan Housen versus QT Marshall, but this works too. I assumed when I read that it was a spooky
3: video that we were going to get the original dark version of Dan Housen, that Danhausen Housen's got a split kind of personality. If you push him too far, his dark side comes out. So I got excited watching the video and I saw the video. I was like, oh, it's a typical goofy promo. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a vignette for the return of the House of Black. This one was really cool. They were beating up like sparring partners and there was a long voiceover about the whole thing, like committing yourself to the house and all that sort of thing. Really cool stuff. I can't wait to see them back. I'd bring them back like on the first Dynamite after Full Gear and just launch them right into a program. Like, don't wait. Just put them on TV. yeah? I would think so. Honestly, like, put them in the biggest possible one. Give me Kenny Omega versus Malachi Black. Give me Kenny Omega against all of them. Give me Nick Jackson against Malachi Black. Give me all the combinations of matches. I just want to see the House of Black wrestle. Here's my apprehension. Part of the reason why they're taking a break is because
3: they came in so hot and they lost so much steam. It's, it's hard because I know what you're saying is like, if you're bringing him back, you're paying him all that money, put him in the best you know, program as possible. Give us the dream match. Kenny Omega versus Birdie Matthews. Lol. That too. Yes. Like every combination of match. I just want to see them wrestle. Right. But we know that Elite are just coming back. The awkward thing is, had Elite had that title reign, if they weren't suspended, mm-hmm. they had the title reign till now you would be like, oh, House of Black's going to win the title. But it's awkward because Elite's going to win the title and you can't expect them losing
2: straight away. Or can you? This, honestly, it could be a slow burn. Doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like, they don't have to do the trios match right away. There's a long wait between Full Gear and Revolution. True. But yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's go for it. Apprehension out the window. Let's do it. Let's do it. My man convinced me. Let's do it. Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, so then we got our main event of Kenosuke Takeshita and June Akiyama versus Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. I was just as excited to see Takeshita back as I was to see Akiyama. That's mm-hmm. like my favorite part of all this is just like, yeah, Takeshita's back. Takeshita got a new theme as well. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I'm really happy to see them
3: back. Question. Um, I got a question. I, I saved it for the podcast. I didn't want to ask in the office because sometimes I, I, I always ruin questions. I'm like, ask on the podcast. Save it for the content. Now, where was the first time when you watched Jun Akiyama wrestle? What was your first memory of him wrestling? Oh gosh,
2: um, it was probably watching the really famous uh, Kibashi match in Noah, like the the five star like it's legendary match from Noah, it's like two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that, maybe earlier than that. But that would probably be it. It was that first, and then going back and watching more stuff from all Japan. Now, I've seen some stuff from DDT since then, like in more recent years, but that that would probably be it. For anybody who is unaware of the career of Jun Akiyama, and I will keep this brief because this could be its own podcast in, in, <laughs> in general, but when people talk about like the uh, the four pillars of All Japan Pro Wrestling, like the four great Japanese wrestlers of All Japan in the 90s, you know, Masawa, Kabashi, Taoe, and uh, Kawada, a lot of people consider Akiyama to be, like, the fifth one and didn't really get as much shine in All Japan. No. And then was made to be the top star of Noah when they all split away from All Japan at the end of the 90s, beginning of the 2000s. They, he was one of the top guys in the mix there. Had some really big matches, one of the top stars of Noah, and he continued on there. And then only, like, the last few years... Made the transition over to DDT, which is the promotion that Kenny Omega wrestled in, Cody Ibushi wrestled in, Sami
3: Zayn, El oh, oh, Generico.
2: They wrestled in a river, kind of a comedy match or a comedy promotion, but still lots of very good wrestling going on there as well. He is essentially the last working member of that core group of all Japan pro wrestling stars. And that is more or less why Eddie Kingston really wanted this match mm. because. Eddie Kingston loves all Japan pro wrestling. His nineties mind is like, he said that like watching those tapes, like saved him stuff like that, like that and fair play. Cause that wrestling is some of the best wrestling of all time. And of course, Misawa's passed away. None of the other guys are working at this point. Oh, Akiyama is the one guy that he could wrestle. And as we saw after this match, they're going to be wrestling on the Full Gear Zero Hour show, which is just neat. Because this match was really fun, back and forth stuff. They didn't do a whole lot of Eddie versus Akiyama stuff. Saving it. They were saving all of it. It was a lot more of Eddie working with Takeshita, which we'd seen earlier this year and was very good. We saw Ortiz mix it up with both of them. They were throwing the half and half su- uh, suplexes and everything, the exploder suplexes. And eventually, Jun Akiyama won this match. I'm surprised.
3: I feel like he's the first Japanese legend to win on a major AEW show.
2: Uh, I mean, first, uh, first goal. First, I goal mean of Ishii it. won his first match when it was like Ishii and Orange Cassidy against yeah, the Butcher yeah. and the Blade. Okay, but in general, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of surprising, but in a good way, where you build this guy up. Like, he's a legend. He should be winning matches like this. He pins Ortiz, and that's how the show goes off the air. And then we see afterwards that Tony Khan has announced that it'll be a singles match. Eddie versus Junakiyama on the buy-in, whatever. It's just easier calling it the buy-in. It flows off the tongue easier. This, I thought, was like a fine episode
3: of Rampage. It wasn't offensive. And you know what? It it did it did way it, it set out way it needed to do it, it, the Athena Hill turn Junakiyama tag team match uh, it it had some solid matches on the show so you know you've really had any sort of like weak link on it so it did what it needed to do solid hour of rampage solid hour of yeah. rampage
2: inoffensive I would say you can like if you're a big Japanese wrestling mark like I am you can go out of your way to see the main event but that's probably about all you need to do. But before we get in with the uh, rest of your Ultra Chat, we have some very special people to thank. Those are our $25 and above Patreon Pledge Hammers. You can go over to patreon.com forward slash talk and get a ton of content. You can get the full uncut version of Survival Series, our new show where we, at, we get everybody in this room and get them all to name the WWE Champions in reverse chronological order. You can see the full uncut version of that. You can get podcast that we do every week after dark behind the scenes where we talk about the history of Wrestle Talk and any of the fun things that we've got going on around here the watch party that we talk about we'll be talking about the uh, the launch party of and this is a little bit of a spoiler the in-person blood on the clock tower episodes which may or may not be coming very soon Tons of good stuff to find over there on Patreon. So make sure you go over to patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. And if you subscribe at the $25 and above tier, you get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So where is it? Hopefully that's not too loud. And hopefully it plays because I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This thing changes every every other time we try it. So here's two. here's why. Simon Dormer. Yeah. The Pharaoh, Stephen Mazzaferro. Yeah. The Incredible Tarzo. Yeah.
3: Keep rolling, the Rick Pack.
2: Yeah. The Superior Dinosaur, Tom Greatorex. Yeah. Vincent Shaloki Garcia. Yeah. Vito Ventura, Pet Detective. Nice. Yeah.
3: Willie Biggie Singleton. Yeah.
2: Zoe Sung 101. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> nice. He likes it. I ruined the flow. Sorry. He likes it. Gabriel. Piss
3: off, Pete. Lannis is the best. Lannis number one. Yeah.
2: Isol J. Iz- Izar- J. Izari. Isari. Thank you. Isol J. Isari is scary. Yeah. Josh German suplex. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you all to our... Very wonderful $25 and above Patreons. We thank you all very much for your continued support. And now we will get into the last of our Usi chats here on this fine podcast. Wait, you do that that singing thing. I, I like that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Who, who doesn't like it? Pete. Pete doesn't like
3: fun. He doesn't like fun. He doesn't like fun, guys. I love fun. That was beautiful. Do it all the time. Never stop. Never stop. That was beautiful. Is that, is that where I'm on? I've been trying to look for this for ages. If you <laughs> if you guys in this podcast episode are thinking, man, Sat is just looking down. I've been looking for these chats.
2: Looking for the ultra chat, Doc. Oosie <laughs> chats, baby. Yeah, buddy. So this is the last cho- uh, last call for your Oosie your chats. The $5. Uh, goodness me. I've run out of steam. I have so much, left, so much work left to do today. We got this. We got this. $5
3: and
2: above? Yeah, buddy. We got all of the 5 US dollar and above Ultra Chats sent in to WrestleTalk.com forward slash support. Get them in now if you have any final thoughts on maybe on tonight's Full Gear pay-per-view. Maybe SmackDown, maybe Rampage. Let us know what you thought, including Finn Brennan saying, what's the crack, gentlemen? Hope you are well. I haven't watched an episode of WWE TV in, a, in full in a couple of years. I'm getting closer every week with these days. It's mainly for Wyatt reasons, to be honest. That is totally fair, especially with this show. That's a great reason to get back into it. Heck, you can even do a thing where you only just watch Bray Wyatt stuff.
3: That might help you. Yeah. (laughs) And watch pay-per-views. Watch the, sorry, or the PLE. Premium
2: live events. Yes.
3: Watch the premium live events and watch Bray Wyatt stuff, either on YouTube or wherever you you can find, you know, SmackDown or whatever. And just stick with that. Slowly dip your toe into the pool. If you like it, it's a bit warm. Jump all the way in.
2: Absolutely. What he said. Uh, Scott Woodford says, the devil returns to help MJF. It's not Regal. It's CM Punk. Man in the mask. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. You have a great day as well. Don't think it's likely that we'll see CM Punk tonight. I ain't gonna lie. If Vince Russo's booking it, that's exactly what happened. L- illogical. I don't think w- it's a matter of logic. I think it's a matter of mutiny. Pop
3: yeah. Pop in. Oh, what? Creating their own like, NWO. We are taking over against the establishment. He got screwed.
2: I got screwed. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is that sort of thing? Sure. I think it might be a, like a walkout situation. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see it happening, but uh, I wouldn't be upset. Uh, Cassidy Delaney says, hey, lads, boy, it's great to see that Rampage was really, really good two weeks in a row. Let's hope it keeps up. Also, there's no way we don't get Eddie and June one on one at some point very soon. There you go. It's going to be tonight. In fact, full gear on the on the hour, the one. Yeah, the pre-show thing also sat need to get a title shot, Tempest mine okay
3: again again yeah i'm not even lying i'm not even trying to create an angle i do not want a title shot i don't want the belt i want the crown if anything i want the crown just give me the crown i am the king and i am that bitch exactly i want the crown i don't want the belt but i appreciate you rooting for me man I, i appreciate that everyone that roots for me thank you
2: Heck yeah. And Misha Sumra will close us out saying, always here for sat or day. Someone tell Adam to get you both in for the next NRB Christmas party. Two solid shows, two very interesting pay-per-view slash premium live events coming up. Good times for nonpartisans. Plus one star for John Quaxley. Hashtag Los Intangibles de Paldia. I can't do, do a P with this, but thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Misha. We appreciate you and all of our fine Usi chatters until next time, of course. Thank you very much, Sat, for joining me on this Saturday. I hope that all of you will tune in tomorrow to see Sat and Pete sit in this chair to be uh, reviewing full gear in full. There's going to be a lot of matches to talk about. Lots. Oh, yeah tons of them. And you can watch along tonight as Luke Owen and I do our live reactions for AEW full gear. Luke is trying his second shot at taking this from me, but it's going to go about as well as it did the first time for him. Sorry, Luke. You're not getting this belt today, brother. I am Tempest, your Jam That Champion. Please subscribe to the WrestleTalk podcast channel and enable notifications so you don't miss any of our upcoming streams. And we'll see you next time. Jam That Jam.